0: Welcome in to the Save by Nostalgia podcast. I'm Noah Groninger, alongside Clint Schweitzer, and it is time for the Bayside Costume Ball. Now, Kelly needs some money to afford her dress, and of course, anytime someone needs to make a little extra cash without a Zack Morris scheme, it's off to be a server at the max. Although I'm guessing Zach wishes he would have come up with one of those money-making schemes instead because Clint... This is where Kelly meets the infamous Jeff Hunter, played by our guest on today's podcast, the one, the
1: only, Patrick Muldoon. Boo! Okay, guys, before you boo our guest completely out of here, we're going to be bringing him on here in just a little bit. Patrick Muldoon, as Jeff Hunter, as we all know, Patrick has uh, been a long-suffering member of the Say by the Bell family uh, pretty much ever since this episode aired on the 14th of September in 1991. Patrick Muldoon has been ridiculed and bashed and put down, whether in person in L.A. or on social media now. Uh, for being the guy that stole Kelly away from Zach, We're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into these developments and kind of how it affects real life and how this episode really kind of... Um started you know both of us off on a course it's sort of stole our innocence we've talked about it off air we were both i think i was 7 when this episode came out so it was like the first time that i ever saw on a tv show where uh you know this b- very emotional breakup happens and it's like it felt so real and it goes kind of against a lot of the things we've seen on this show up to this point but we're off to a great start here in season 3 Um, If you've listened to this podcast, you've already heard us do the Fabulous Beldy Boys, uh, one of our favorite episodes. Uh, Breaking Up is Hard to Undo. The Glee Club was a bit of a step back, and over Christmas break, we did the Home for Christmas episodes. Now we delve back into it, trying to uh, finish season three off on a high note. This is a really good season of television, and man, this episode, does it ever hit home? It's one of those ones that is so emotional, and it's so real that By the end of it, man, I, I got chills watching. It's probably been five years since I'd seen this scene, and we're going to work up to it. We're going to kind of work backwards, if you will, but uh, it still has an effect. This this still gets me. I, I I teared up, and I'm not kidding.
0: No, absolutely. I did, too. You talk about just the ages we were and how it stole our innocence. We we're just having some fun along with the gang and Screech and Slater and just following along with our high school hijinks, and then, bam, this episode hits, and you're like... I didn't know I could feel this over this couple, Zach and Kelly. Yeah, we wanted to be together. And once they got together, we didn't think anything could break them apart. And and you see the pain on Kelly's face, and we'll get into all of that more later. But just the raw emotion of this, and especially us as little kids, I didn't know I could feel something like that and and still, still feel it today.
1: Well, as you mentioned, the costume ball is upon us, and – uh Kelly and Zach, of course, would be going as Romeo and Juliet. There's always there's always a Shakespeare theme in many of these episodes, usually having to do with Miss Simpson. We'll see if she shows up in any of this later on. Um, but uh, I think Jesse and what Jesse and Slater want to go as history's greatest lovers. Uh, Screech points out that it should be Sonny and Cher. Uh, insert joke here. But no Cleopatra and Mark Antony, which I thought was really random. Like I don't I don't really know much about them. Like in history, I don't really know what makes. I've heard of Cleopatra,
0: I don't know a ton,
1: but uh, Screech wants to go as Mel
0: Gibson, might be, he just has to top everyone and go strange and odd, and and I think that takes the cake, Screech going as Mel Gibson, of course, by himself.
1: Well, I, you know, and you mentioned it at the onset, but this is sort of another reoccurring theme that we see. We saw this in the prom episode from season two, which is another one of our favorites, but Kelly uh, can't go. to the the costume ball because, you know, dresses are expensive and money's tight at home. Although these kids live in the Pacific Palisades in California. So uh, really nobody's hurting for money here. Um, But Kelly's going to get a job. She wants to get a job at the Max. And um, it's kind of a go-to in Saved by the Bell, where if someone needs money or a scheme or they need something, someone always has to go work at the max. I think Lisa did in season one for the Lisa card. Uh, It's kind of a reoccurring theme we see. But another odd instance here is this is the first time we see that the the gang is in a band. They're called the Zack Attack, and this is the first we ever see of this. Um, Here they are. They're practicing, and Lisa's the singer or i'm sorry lisa's the bass player jesse's the singer zach's the guitarist uh screech on keyboard slater on drums this is odd to me that it, they chose this moment to sort of debut this band
0: yeah i mean i don't know if you want to say it's forced here but it's just it does come out of nowhere uh you didn't know that they had any of this talent that any of them could really uh play an instrument i think we saw uh, in the Miss Bayside episode, uh, Slater on the drums, so we knew that, but uh, Screech on the keyboards, guitars, singing talent. I mean, uh, a lot of this comes out of nowhere, so we didn't know that any of these people other than Slater had any kind of musical talent. So uh, it just kind of hits you over the face like, wow, they're great, and they're practicing, and now they're going to Mr. Belding's office and trying to get their band to play so they can afford Uh, money for some of the decorations around because they don't have a lot of money. They were going to apparently pay some high-priced DJ. And, uh, of course, Zach's like, hey, our band can play. And everyone's like, what? A band? I'm sorry? As viewers, you're just, you have a band? I I must hear this? And uh, Mr. Belding, of course, says, this year, no Mr. Belding costumes. Mrs. Belding gets confused easily. And any guys who dress as girls still must use the boys' restroom. So I love that little part. Of course, Mr. Belding always kind of brings his uh, comedic part of it to an episode. And so I love that part.
1: Uh, yeah. And that would be very controversial today. That last statement about uh, boys dressing as girls, using the certain restrooms. That is, we don't want to offend anyone. So we won't even touch that. But I, th- this introduces us to Jeff Hunter, uh, Patrick Muldoon, our guest coming up. He's going to actually spill the beans on all this. But the first time you see him, he introduces himself to Kelly. He's going to be Kelly's boss. He is wildly handsome. An amazing jawline, one that I am extremely jealous of. Kelly is very nervous during the interview, and apparently Jeff is a sophomore over at UCLA, and we're going to talk about this because Patrick Muldoon himself played football at USC. What was so hard about this, writers? Could we have not given the guy a a USC sweatshirt? That's the part that stands out to me the, the most. Poor Patrick Muldoon, who played football in the 80s at USC, relegated to a UCLA shirt. I can't imagine the emotional strife that must have taken on him.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, why they couldn't just let him be from U- USC. They have to stick him in this UCLA sweatshirt. Maybe it's because, maybe they were kind of doing him a favor here. Uh, they knew he was going to be a hated character as the story went on, and they didn't want everyone to start hating USC too, uh, Patrick Muldoon's school. <laughs> so they did him a favor. Everyone now hates UCLA and not USC. Thank you, writers of say by the Bell.
1: Well, Jeff's going to take a chance on Kelly, and clearly it's because, you know, he's charmed by her. She's nervous during the interview, but she's just using that, you know, Kelly, she's so beautiful, and she's, you know, I think it's one of those moments where you realize Kelly is attractive to people beyond just the realms of Bayside High School. Like, here's this, you know, good-looking college guy, and he's a manager of this, uh, you know, this restaurant, and he's extremely into Kelly right from the get-go. And it's the first moment that you kind of see that, wow, like, you could see, you know, maybe Kelly going for someone else or it's just, it was kind of an adult moment to me, very small, but something about Kelly meeting Jeff equals a a, a light bulb going off in my mind of like, this is a little more, you know, on the up and up. This is a little more real. This is a little more soap opera-esque than the typical Bayside moment. Is is it just me on that? No, I'm with you there. It kind of, shined a light
0: on kelly and just kind of the viewer that there is a world a bigger world outside of bayside high school and you get a first glimpse of it there this is just this college guy from ucla and he's a manager of the max right now while he's going through school and it's you're worried like you're. i just felt a worry on that initial contact like here's this good-looking guy he's a college guy and it's like Kelly's world is opening up, and she's realizing that there's this bigger world out there, and and maybe there's other guys than Zach. And so just from that initial part, and they don't give a lot of uh, inkling that uh, this is going to be a brooding romance, and uh, Kelly and Jeff might end up together. Something could happen, but you just had that feeling when you watch it.
1: You do, and, you know, it's, it's in turn, Kelly's first day on the job uh, is a nightmare. You've got two greasers straight up from The Outsider's, uh, that are hassling her. One of them is Spike that we see later on. Um, the, the, the female in this uh, couple is Spike and uh, they're kind of giving they're hassling Kelly and she's nervous and she's thinking that she's gonna have to pay out of their tips for their meal. And Jeff intervenes and kind of runs them off. And, uh, you know, I love the way he tells them that this order is to go and sends them off. And it's that in that moment, Kelly sees that, you know, Jeff stepped up for her and that, you know, not to worry about what happened. And it's not her fault. And I think it's, that's kind of the moment where maybe we see, like, there could be a connection here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The sticking up for her as they're sitting there saying, the sandwich stinks and we're not paying for this garbage. I just I love those. I love the kind of overplaying their roles and their characters there. I thought it was great and how, of course, you see Jeff step in. And uh, then the gang comes in after that, Uh, after the greasers leave. uh, Jeff says, hey, those friends of yours? She says, yeah, they're just trying to make me look good. He says, ah, they don't have to try very hard. You already look pretty good to me. And so that is really, I mean, whether you had an inkling in the beginning, whether him sticking up for her with the greasers, But at the end, when the gang leaves and she talks about how they're trying to make her look good and he already says she does look good, that's when you're like, oh boy, is this happening? Is she really going to leave Zach for this guy? What's going to go on here?
1: Screech, to me, is extra annoying in this scene. Um, He says something like, She's the best waitress they've ever had at the Max. She serves french fries just like a real french person. Like something about it like screech and to me like his antics some you know are hit and miss for me and we've talked about this a million times on this podcast. But in <laughs> this point it's just like you just want screech to take a back seat. There's obviously something bigger going on uh, around this and I just can't deal with screech here and uh, I don't know. That that part just kind of stood out like I'm just, I'm I'm over screech in this episode and I really don't want to hear from him at all. Yeah, I'm kind of over Screech completely, especially with what's going
0: on in this episode with uh, kind of the love triangle with uh, Zach Kelly and Jeff. You're, you're just, you are you're you just don't really have the patience for Screech that you do in some sillier episode. You're like, okay, I can handle Screech here. But you're like, what is going on? I must find out what's happening in this love triangle And Screech. Please stop your antics. I don't have time for it. Not this episode. Please don't ruin this. So you're just wanting to move on from that. And uh, we'll move on from that as well as Zach ends up in Kelly's room, uh, bringing over her costume uh, as uh, Juliet, and uh, Kelly says that she's got, she's got the job. She made twenty-two bucks in tips, which I find extremely small, even back in the day. Twenty, like how many hours did she work? Was it just a couple hours and she made twenty-two bucks? But uh, she's usually closing the restaurant, so uh, I maybe four or five hours and only twenty-two bucks, but. Uh, kelly can't ask for time off this soon she says that she can't go to the dance she tells zach there and he's zach just can't accept it as he never does he's got to come up with a scheme or something and so then he goes and he's got to talk to jeff and try to get her uh that night off from work even though she just started working and so he tries this elaborate thing telling her like oh kelly's this only child and uh jeff already knows all this that she's uh, got six brothers and sisters, and so Zach's little plot there is ruined. And uh, When they first meet, I just got to go off in this little tangent here. When they first meet Zach and Jeff, he, uh, Zach says, No, I'm the medium burger hold the onions guy. And just when I heard that, it just takes me back to all of our conversations on the McDonald's, onions, on the burgers. I said just <laughs> a sidebar here, and it just reminds me of just the great line that your dad always says, What kid in America? would want onions on their burgers. Like,
1: you have to order it without that? Just, I can't believe it. That is hilarious. Yeah, you're right. Like my dad always said, uh, why is the default mechanism in America that you have to actually say no onions? And I guess Zach has had to do that at the max as well. He's just like, what is going on? I can't keep having to say no onions on a burger here. Like, why, do you, why don't we start from the bare minimum and, and work up to yeah, I want lettuce and tomato and onion or whatever combination. Like, I can't stand it. Pickles, onions, all of it, lettuce. Come on. Like, you're right. That's... um something that is just kind of funny because a lot of these things, a lot of these jokes and say by the bell, especially when it comes to the max and, and screech will say some things later about a uh, some sort of rhubarb twist or some kind of drink. And it's like, they're, you've never actually heard of these things before. They've never actually mentioned it. It's just something that in the moment they write these jokes and they kind of play well in the moment, but it's not, not many, much continuity to it. You've never actually heard Zach say hold the onions before, but that's going to lead us to, um, the very first appearance of the band rehearsing. And, uh, you have Jesse as, uh, like we said, is the singer and that's Zach is like hitting off chords. He's clearly distracted kind of by the fact that, um, you know, Kelly is talking about, not, you know, not being able to go to the dance because she has to work and there's a lot going on here and Zach is very distracted. Well, and we mentioned, you know, uh, Jeff is going to let Kelly have the night off he kind of brings it up to Kelly like, hey, why aren't you going to this dance? And he's, you know, when you think about the meeting of Zach and Jeff and you think about the way Jeff is treating Kelly now, I think it's at least apparent initially that Jeff is a is a good guy and he's, you know, he was cool with Zach. He's, you know, being really nice to Kelly and helping her out, getting this job. And now he's going to let her off. And the gang is all excited, like, wow, like, you know, thanks for giving her night off. And but she's a little skittish about it. And that's where I think things kind of start to go here is she's a little skittish now uh, about going because she still doesn't think that, you know, she should be able to have the night off. And, and
0: Yeah, and she's just sitting there that we go to her room and she's studying with Jesse and Lisa. Kelly just can't stop talking about Jeff. And she says, oh, he's studying romance languages. She, she ends up calling him hot and uh, d- d- denying it. And Jesse and Lisa are there saying, no, you definitely called him hot. And uh, so she's sitting there. She's She can't get him off her mind. She keeps mentioning his name. And then her and Jeff are cleaning up the max. And uh, Jeff reiterates, like, yeah, you got the night off. I hope you're going to enjoy the costume ball. And Kelly's like, are you sure you're not going to miss me? He's, and Jeff says, of course I'm going to miss you. I always miss you when you're not here. And then Kelly says, you're the nicest guy I've met in a long time. And they kiss, but... In the middle of it, Kelly just doesn't feel right about it and runs out. And so, right there, you're like, it—it's got to be over, right? Like, it, it can't be, but it's got to. Like, maybe she'll end up staying. She—she she realized it was a mistake and she'll end up staying with Zach. But just such—just a bad sign there that she's just really falling for Jeff. And you're wondering what's going to go on with Zach, who he's just going to be blindsided by this. And you're just worried about him after watching this show for now three seasons, what's going to become of them and what's going to happen to Zach when, uh, if this does come to fruition and they end up breaking up.
1: And it doesn't take long because the next day at the max uh, Kelly's clearly very distracted and confused and not sure how to act around Zach or the, or her group of friends. She doesn't want to sit down and take a break. She's overtly distant. There's lots of tension when Jeff comes up to talk to them about it and uh, I think Zach tries to put her his arm around her and she says no don't do that and she says she's got to get back to work it's very tense it works very well man I'm telling you from a show that had an episode from season one like the mamas and the papas boy have we come a long way here and you just the tension's palpable here
0: it is and you could see Jeff come over and see uh, her and Zach sitting together and he's uncomfortable and he's just like oh gosh like, almost like that's my girl. I want to make a move. I want to do, but she's with Zach. And I also have to make a note of this. If you go back to that scene where Kelly is at work at the Max and she's sitting next to Zach and Jeff walks up, it's like he's wearing a sweater out of Zach's closet. It's yeah. baggy, it's colorful, there's weird shapes and designs on it classic zach morris sweatshirt that you see him wear a lot in this series and you're going to continue seeing him wear and so i was like this is a little strange i mean they have the same taste in sweaters obviously so
1: well you you got zach confiding in slater about this issue and it's very common you know you know you have something going on your, your girlfriend is being kind of strange especially in high school and you're confiding in your best friend again and another very real moment that i really liked hear, except screech ruins it by um, chiming in, sounds like the flu to me. I'd wear a turtleneck tomorrow. And Slater's response is one of my favorite responses to anything Screech has ever said. Uh, He says, simply, Screech, you are a strange and weird person. (laughs) The end. Bingo. He hit the nail on the head. No one's had the guts to
0: say it until now. And Slater has done it. Thank you, Slater.
1: Well, before we get to the rest of this episode which is going to be probably the most time we've ever spent on kind of analyzing uh, a specific moment or scene in in any episode that we've ever done here on this podcast we're going to go ahead and bring on our guest yes it is patrick Muldoon, jeff hunter himself patrick it's great to have you on man how is it going i can't i can't believe it's finally happening guys (laughs) but it's really happening <laughs> it, it, it is. I mean, we just had a good friend of yours, uh, Todd Marinovich, on the show recently. We we were all. We, we oh do my god! You got to be kidding me! You had Todd on the show. We've had Todd on. Your buddy Ed Asner. We've had on and Bo Jesse Christopher. It's just only fitting, man. This had to happen.
2: Oh my god! It is. It's, it is totally fitting. It is. It is long overdue, and it's and it's happening. And I'm kind of nervous, but it's really it's really happening. How is how is Todd?
1: I haven't seen him in so long. Todd's doing great. He was just at a USC game this year. He actually played football, believe it or not, at age forty eight a year ago in a semi pro league. and but he's doing good. I think he and his wife got divorced and stuff. but he's doing he's, you know, he's doing pretty good, man. I, uh, it's just good to hear he, Todd, we love Todd
2: is, a, Todd's a, is a champion man He really is. He's uh, yeah, he's a great guy. yeah, that, that's
1: very true. Um, Patrick, this is just so I'll tell you what, you know, you talk about being nervous. We're the nervous ones because this is hilarious. Um, believe it or not, we've been talking about this. You, for Noah and I, you are our first celebrity Facebook friend. You, you like, had a Facebook back whenever it first started, along when you had to have, like, a college email. And we were, we were yeah. in college at the time. Did I? Isn't that crazy? What a connection. <laughs> I was what like the
2: guy,
1: I was like, the guy that stole Kelly away from Zach has a Facebook, and we've got a
2: <laughs> No, yeah. You know, you uh, it it is weird. I don't I don't even want to know how long ago it was that that I filmed those episodes, but <laughs> but you know, once social media hit with Twitter and everything, it's the most you know, that not a week goes by that somebody, you know, or a group of people don't don't
1: express how much they hate me. It's been twenty eight <laughs> years not I'd to date d- anyone. Twenty eight years in fact. Okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> is it, you said a true Hollywood story that, no, that like, like you said, not a day goes by. I mean, as time goes on, would you, of all the things you've done, is it still what you are most recognized?
2: It's not that it's the most recognized. It's the most, you know, people are the most passionate about, about hating me for uh, what, I, what I did to uh, poor Kelly and Zach. So <laughs> they are obviously a beloved couple uh you know pop culture couple and uh, i didn't know at the time but i i was doing a a really bad thing you know but <laughs> can you blame me i mean kelly kelly kapowski is is uh is a beautiful girl so oh, absolutely you
0: know. no blame that could be thrown your way but and we look back on it now we laugh but was there ever a time that you regretted getting the role of jeff hunter with as crazy as say
2: by the bell fans got with you breaking up zach and kelly no, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess the only time, it, it was really when, you know, social media hit that I started getting, people started finding me and expressing how much that they, <laughs> that they hated Jet, poor Jeff. So, um, you know, at, at that time, I, I thought it was funny, but then some people are, are really passionate about, uh, about what a scumbag I was back there in the 90s. But I guess, <laughs> well- I, guess I deserve it, you know? I mean, I don't know what, what I was thinking, you know, we were at the dance, you know, I I did my best at the max to seduce her and then uh and then I guess it was uh it was a club, right? Didn't the kids yeah, the take addict. IDs and came in the club? Yeah. Well,
0: I mean we had talked about Todd Marinovich here and you're a USC guy and this may have been the worst part of the show for you. They wind up putting you in a UCLA sweatshirt. Did you ever get to ask them if they could switch that to a USC sweater? Isn't that some sort of sacrilege for you to wear that UCLA?
2: It was absolutely sacrilegious, and I did <laughs> ask them, and and uh, it was rough. And when the shows aired, you know, my uh, teammates from, from SC—I mean, I got a lot of help for that. Oh, oh boy! So uh, yeah, and uh, I caught, I caught. Um, I think it was the first episode or something like that. Not long ago, you know, I was just flipping through channels and I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, I wore a UCLA sweatshirt. I forgot. <laughs> and then the other striking thing is what is wrong with my voice? <laughs> my my voice is like three octaves higher back then, you know? So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I don't know. I, it was embarrassing uh, to, in front of all my teammates having to wear a UCLA sweatshirt, for sure. And I and I did ask them, and I don't know why they made me wear a Bruin sweatshirt, but that was really bad. That really sucked.
1: What was your relationship like with Peter? Because, uh, you know, you hear a lot of—we've uh, interviewed a lot of uh, cast members from the show that, that came in to do a, an episode or two or three like yourself— What was that process like coming in? You talked about you already knew Mario, but coming in and meeting some of the writers, Bennett Tramer, and then some of the cast members, what was kind of that whole experience uh, like for you? I remember, um, you know, it was, I I mean, uh, Mark,
2: everybody, everybody was just really super friendly. You know, it was chill. And I know, you know, but I remember when Peter Engel would walk around, it would be like, shh, you know? (laughs) And uh, Mario would always do this impersonation of him and I remember it went something like this. Uh, Is there something I should know about? This <laughs> Marty, Mario would, um, would would impersonate Peter Engels. So, you know, he probably had his work cut out for him, keeping all the kids, uh, making sure everybody was behaving. But, um, but also with Tiffany, I remember Tiffany was probably three, four years younger than me. And... Uh, I remember her as as a model. So Tiffany and I were in like Tiger Beat or Teen Magazine modeling way before Saved by the Belt when she was, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, like 14 or something like that. I don't even know how old she was when we did the show. I must have been right out of USC, probably like 22, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so she was probably, yeah. She was probably still underage, <laughs>
0: put it that way. <laughs> probably. I mean, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about working with all of the cast and, and uh, some of the crew. And, and you mentioned it, that uh, you and Mario were living in the same apartment complex. And uh, did you hit him up, kind of, hey, inform me, what, what can I expect here? And tell me about the cast. Am I going to enjoy being on set, working with all you guys? And uh, of course, you like Mario there. But uh, just working with the cast, of course, they were kids. They were, uh, probably couldn't hang out with them much offset as they were uh, taking classes.
2: Oh, you know what? No, wait a minute. You know what? I'm wrong. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back. Mario okay. and I, you no, know, Ma- actually, now that I'm thinking of the timeline, no Mario and I met on the show and then we both moved into that, into park pointless. That's gotcha. right. Because right after, um, right after I did Save by the bell, not soon after I got on days of Our Lives which was also on, uh, at NBC. So that's right. So no, we met on the show, we became friends. And then we just coincidentally happened to move in the same uh, apartment complex. That's what happened.
1: And so, um,
2: yeah. And every once in a while, uh, over the years, Ryan Seacrest will mention park pointless and the fact that we all live there in this, this place. And it got decimated at the 94 earthquake hit. And we all lived in that place. And it was made of, you know, just drywall and basically cardboard. And all of our furniture was from Ikea. <laughs> so we had that really big 94 earthquake and, and it just decimated park pointless. You know, oh, there's man. lots of like w- would be actors that went back to the Midwest after that earthquake, because it broke all of our stuff. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, that great times. I tell you, you know, we've it's it's taken twenty eight years, but we've um, collectively forgiven you and your character Jeff for, for kind of what happened—a very dramatic <laughs> moment in have in, you, in history. Have, have you forgiven me? Well, we're we're, t- we're talking right now, which means that we've you know made some sort of concession to this is the closing part of the process for us. Yeah, this, this is the <laughs> lot of this clothes. is the therapy. This is the therapy. <laughs> oh, right, right. Um, so it's a lot of closure for you, and, yeah. and but, me
2: too. So thanks, guys.
1: Patrick, dude, have a great weekend. Thanks so much, man. We'll catch up again soon, and uh, best of luck and everything, man. You're the best. Get down, guys. Great talking to you. Well, there you hear it from Patrick Muldoon. We got into it with him. We got the story from that sleazy frat boy, Babe stealer himself. He he faced the music right here on the Save Nostalgia podcast.
0: That's right. We held his feet to the fire. No punches were pulled here. But, I mean, he kind of he's he's a likable person. I, I have to say, it's tough to say. We went through kind of a therapeutic, uh, cathartic experience here having him on, and uh, I think some some demons have left me, and I, I can be okay with this character now, especially knowing how it turns out and how great of a guy that Patrick Muldoon is, and uh, just the fun nature that he has, and willing to come on the show and talk about it. And uh, we this has been a an interview that we have just. Fought for since about uh, the er, sometime in the early 2000s 2006 or so and uh, it's finally come to fruition it's finally happened and we cannot thank Patrick enough for coming on and I think I can finally say that uh, I, I don't hate Jeff Hunter I don't hate Patrick Muldoon
1: took all this time, and um, thanks to Patrick for coming on. He's going to chime in um, on a couple of the other episodes here in the season that he's in. He's going to be on The Aftermath and on Fake IDs. Those are the next two episodes we're going to be doing. A little out of order on your DVD sets, but we're going to put them all together and call them the Jeff episodes. Patrick Muldoon, uh, great guy, and uh, so thankful that he has such a sense of humor about All of this and uh, for some of you for a lot of you I bet this was a, th- a therapeutic experience for you because I bet you had a lot of experiences just like us and this was traumatic uh, growing up but getting back into it we get to the-, the final reel of the show the dance is upon us and uh, you got someone dressed as like Aladdin, Babe Ruth, and a mummy. And uh, the band is playing on stage as well in full costume. And I love this song. Make my day. Bring it in, Noah. You drive me crazy in a good way.
0: Oh, it's just the best. I love it. And then they, of course, they have to announce the king and queen of the costume ball. And, of course, it's got to be Zach and Kelly. What other couple could it be as the king and queen of a costume ball? And Zach says, Kelly, you're the most beautiful queen I've ever seen. And she says, thanks, Jeff.
1: Oops! Oh, man. Yeah, and you know right there, the way uh, it's well acted by Mark Paul Gosselaar, his eyes just you know sink, his face just droops, he's just devastated, he knows something's going on, and tells her that uh, they need to talk, and every time it would get to about that point, I start getting a little like frantic and anxious because I know what's coming, and I don't know, you might have to lead us through some of this because I'm going to have to go grab a tissue actually right now. Yeah, I mean,
0: Slater and Jesse are up there. They are wondering where Zach is. He's supposed to come in and sing this song, but uh, Slater steps in since they can't find Zach anywhere, and they sing, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? Um, First of all, this is a song by Michael Bolton. I love this song, um, but I've just got to say what an excellent, perfect choice that this was. For all the inconsistencies that Saved by the Bell has um, from one episode to the next and just things that are done, um, screech, giving away schemes easily where it seems like it could be lazy writing at times. This was expertly done. I have to say this whole scene and just starting it off with this song was just an expert decision and choice. Whoever came up with that, it was just perfect. I'm sure it was a team of people. I get emotional when the song starts. I don't know about you. You're still yeah. grabbing your tissue, so I'm sure it is for you, but, uh, I get emotional when that song starts because you know what's coming and just how Kelly had been acting towards Zach the whole time. And then it just from that song, it just a beautiful cross dissolved to Zach and Kelly sitting outside on a picnic table. And uh, if you're composed enough, I'll let you uh, take it from here.
1: Well, I'm not sure if I can even do this. I'll tell you what, the following three minutes of television has haunted me ever since I first saw it as a seven year old back when this aired in 1991. It was really the first hint that I had that that uh, love is complicated and having your heart broken is something that happens to everyone. I remember crying over this, and uh, it's still emotional to me 29 years later. Shows you what an impact a show like this can have on a person uh, throughout the entirety of their lives, not just when they're young, but gosh, we're you know, 36 years old now. Still has the same impact. It was amazingly acted by Mark, Paul, and Tiffany. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, how am I supposed to live without you? And the background is perfect and heart-wrenching and I guess we just got to uh, let, let this one play out and uh, grab the tissues. We're going to just kind of let the audio of this play and uh, reminisce about the, this unbelievable moment.
2: So tell me all about it. Tell me about the pleasure, you made.
0: I know there's something going on between you and Jeff please just talk to me
2: I don't know how to say this it's just that Jeff and I have been working together and
0: do you really like him
2: no yes I don't know it's just all happening so fast
0: Kelly what happened I, I, I thought you loved me
2: I do love you Zach it wasn't supposed to be this way not for us
0: I don't want to hurt you for anything in the
2: whole world. I thought we'd always be together. (laughs) Zach, I'm so
0: sorry. I miss you, Kelly. Well, hey, how about one last dance?
2: Like that.
1: friends forever well there you have it i mean you literally could see the pain in mark paul's eyes and you get the feeling that kelly is completely confused and devastated the way she says the line it wasn't supposed to be this way not for us it's really hard to watch but yet it's really so emotional and real and it cuts into every fiber of your being i i you know It's it's hard to watch, but it's so well done. And to me, this is what sets, this is why I love Saved by the Bell. It's because it's able to deliver a moment like this that you'll never forget. And it's not some stupid scheme or, or, you know, some shenanigans that we've seen a million times. This was real. And this was uh, very well done.
0: Mark Paul has a lot of great um, acting moments, dramatic moments uh, in this series. Uh, But he's afforded the opportunities uh, as the star of the show He's afforded a lot of opportunities to go in a lot of different places with his character that some of the other characters uh, don't have. Uh, Jesse, Lisa, Kelly, Slater, Screech. They aren't afforded the same amount of opportunities. They do have some. um, But I just got to talk about uh, Tiffany's acting here. Uh, She was given this opportunity and she hit it out of the park a million times over. Her crying, saying those lines... And you mentioned a few of them there. And then I don't want to hurt you for anything in the whole world as she is sobbing. And it is real as real can be. She is those tears, the sobbing. I mean, you feel it, that she is just struggling with this decision. She knows that she's feeling something for Jeff and she's got to go in that way and see what this can be because the feelings are too strong. And, but it pains her. She loves Zach. It's her best friend. And she thought that they would be together forever. Like Zach thought And the fact that she's having to do this and say goodbye and hurt someone that she loves and cares about. And is her best friend to go in this new direction. She is just broken. I mean, so is Zach and Zach's left with nothing while she gets to go on to Jeff. So of course your sympathy and and your thoughts are going to Zach, but you can see just how much it hurts her too. This isn't an easy decision. Like, Oh, I'm just cheating on you with Jeff. Bye. Like, no, it's not that at all. And so the last line of the song that Jesse and Slater are singing there, it cuts away to that. And all that I've been living for is gone. Yeah. Is the are the last lines of that song that you hear before the show cuts out. And uh or it comes cuts back to uh Zach and Kelly, and uh she asks, can we still be friends? And Zach says, Forever. And Zach talking about Kelly's acting and just talking about the character of Zach. Now he handles that better than anyone has handled any breakup in the history of breakups, knowing that gl- she is still his best friend and he's, he still wants to be friends forever, even though he's going through this immense pain.
1: Ha! Huh, woo. A lot to unpack there. Um, I know, I mean, honestly, this is, We've talked about so many episodes that we've said, this is my favorite episode. We talked about the fabulous Belding boys. We had Ed Blatchford on, Rod Belding himself. We've really delved in to this show and analyzed each of these important scenes and these moments that have just shaped our lives. And I think that when, at least to this point, I don't know that you can top this one as far as the acting, as far as the show really coming together. It took really three seasons for it to get to this point where it became... Really, you know, a show that goes beyond just a Saturday morning uh, children's show that aired on NBC. And it uh, started to add some elements of drama. We saw Jesse's song where there was elements of, uh, you know, um, drug use. And we're going to see more more of that coming up uh, with No Hope with Dope. By the way, Johnny Dakota uh, is going to be joining us, Eddie Garcia. It's going to be amazing. So really, when it comes down to it, this episode, I think, is the seminal episode of the the series. And uh, we always say at the end of it, is this a hit or a miss? This is as big of a hit as as you could have in a show like this with the limitations that it has. Uh, you know, whatever you want to say, five stars, two thumbs up. Uh, this knocks it out of the park, even though it's emotional and riveting and you don't know what's going to happen from here. And that's kind of why it's why it's so great, because you don't know what's going to happen from here. Like what is going to happen next? And we're going to find out on our next episode, The Aftermath. Nice lead in.
0: It, it is. Very good job. And uh for those of you that don't know that maybe just listen to our Saved by Nostalgia podcast and are loving these Save by the Bell reviews, we can't thank you enough first of all. But we also do sports. And so I'm going to bring sports into this. And um if you know Jim Valvano, a great man, a great former college basketball coach who passed away from cancer. Um it's now he now has the Jimmy V Foundation. Um, which all the donations go to cancer research. Um, But in his, he won an award, an SB Arthur Ashe award um, for his courage in in his fight with cancer. And uh, in that speech, he talked about living a full day. And what is a full day? If you can spend a day and have laughter, be moved to tears, and spend some time in thought, boy, that is a full day. And in this episode, you at the end of the episode, of course, and even throughout, you're spending some time and thought. What's going on here? What's going to happen to Zach? Um, earlier in the episode, is Kelly really going to leave uh, Zach for Jeff? you're you have some laughter in it. Early on, uh, with Mr. Belding talking about the costumes, and no Mr. Belding costumes, Mrs. Belding gets confused easily. so you, you spent some time and laughter with this episode. And of course at the end, Kelly sobbing there on the on the bench with Zach saying that she doesn't want to hurt him for anything in the world, but she she's gotta go in this new direction with Jeff. You spent some time, your your emotions were moved to tears. So if that's a full day, this was a full episode with yeah. spending some time with your tears, thought, and laughter. So this was just like you said, whether was it hit out of the park? Was it a loss for us in this episode? This one was perfect.
1: Very, very well said. And as we sign off here, I do have to say that for the first time in watching this in a long time, I had so much more sympathy for Kelly than I think I ever had before. The easy thing to look at in a situation like this is someone wronging someone. Of course, Kelly's met someone else. That makes it hard. Zach and Kelly are one of those television relationships that uh, live in the annals of time. They're part of the American lexicon. People say talk about Jim and Pam from The Office. Zach and Kelly comes up, and this is a moment, and it's a gutsy move for the writers and for the creators. We've talked to you know, Peter Engel about it, and to drive this rift in between them so early in their relationship, a lot of guts, but to me, it put the show at a new level, and after watching this, I know why I love this show, and we can't thank everybody enough for listening. I know that this one was a long window. We had a guest. We had Patrick Muldoon on to talk about it. We analyzed this from beginning to end. Some episodes we can do in 10, 15 minutes. This one, it's taken a half hour and an interview because it's so important to the history of television and to this show. And for those that are listening to this that love the show as much as we do, it just makes perfect sense. And we're going to be talking next about the aftermath, which is the aftermath of this breakup. And so there's a lot more to come and we can't thank you enough for listening. If you like what we're doing, again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Google Play. Any way you choose to take in your podcast, we've got you covered. Leave us a star rating. We always appreciate the feedback. And you can visit us on our website where we do not only reviews, film blogs, um, a lot of different types of things on our website where our podcast is also archived at nitroentertainment.com. That is the umbrella to which uh, all of our entertainment stuff is sheltered under. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back covering the aftermath.